0: Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. Today we're wrapping up our life and death series. Um, and it, it's just, a, it's been an exciting time because as we look at life and death and, and heaven and, and hell uh, and, and living a life that, that matters, everything always just points to Jesus. Uh, Everything in creation has always pointed to Jesus, been about Jesus, uh, happens because of Jesus, and happens for Jesus. And when you have the central character of all of creation in his right place, life goes well for us. Um, the, the Bible, it's just this beautiful story. I don't know if you've had a chance to, to read the Bible from, from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation uh, or not. I, I highly encourage you to do that. Uh, to get a, a Bible reading plan or ask somebody how to do that or just say, I'm just going to read it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure it out and, and read the whole thing through however long it takes me to read it through uh, in, in, a, in a good time to be able to pay attention to it. But when you read the story uh, of Jesus, which is the Bible, I love how it, the, the Word of God paints this picture of how everything began, Genesis, and, and how it's all going to end in Revelation and uh, what we can understand of how it ends in Revelation and a lot of the stuff we, we're not going to understand until we get there and probably not going to care because we'll be there uh, for those who follow Jesus. But if we do care, he'll answer that because we'll have a better understanding and we'll grow uh, in our understanding. Won't be veiled uh, in our vision and veiled in our, in our, in our you know, mental and, and, and thinking abilities anymore once we're there. But the best part about the beginning and the end and everything in between is that it's all about Jesus. He is the main character. He is the point of it all. In John chapter 14, right near the end of his life on earth, Jesus is, is, is laying down all the big stuff for his followers at the time to take. You know, you say those big last words, uh, if you know you're on your deathbed or are coming near to the end of your life or whatever it is. And you say the, the big important words. And so he's given them to them, but he's also given them to us. And he says in John 14 verses one through four, don't let your hearts be troubled. No matter what's going on around you. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. So now he's talking about eternity. He's talking about heaven. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? There is a heaven. I wouldn't have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you if it wasn't true. I'm going there. This has to happen. The cross is what he's talking about. They were sad. They were scared. But he's like, I I have to go through this so I can purchase you back and to go and prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you. So you will always be where I am. Believers, followers of Jesus, when everything is ready, He will come and get us. And we will always be where He is. And you know the way to where I'm going. See, believers can be confident that that the God they trust in is is fully in control of everything. Everything. Everything that was, everything that, that is, everything that will be, Jesus is fully in control. And so our big idea today in looking at heaven is forever is that there is this never-ending joy that we get to have. And not when we die or, and go to heaven or if we're alive when, heaven, when, when time ends. Never-ending joy doesn't start then. It is now. It gets better then. When all things are made new, but never-ending joy is in our lives now as followers of Jesus. The name, the beginning and the end that he gives himself, referred to in Scripture as Alpha and Omega. It really truly, fully defines who God is. What, what he's planned out. that The beginning, the end. It's, it's all in his control. God's eternal, he's in control, he's gracious, he's loving, he's just. God wins the day, praise God. Satan never gets a victory over us. Never. Never. This series that we're in, Life and Death, we've we've seen how, how really in the way that God has planned it all out for us and because of us and, and just to pour his love into us, we see that we were made for a person and a place. The person is Jesus Christ. The place is heaven with Jesus Christ. God promises that whoever places their faith in him, we have to choose. It is a choice that we make. We choose to, to believe in, to follow, to, to, to love God. And to accept all He has for us, but whoever believes in Him places their their faith in Jesus to rescue them from sin and and eternal death. That we will live forever with Him in heaven. But what exactly is eternal life with Jesus in heaven like? I mean, you've probably asked those questions. You probably had specific questions. You. You've probably had thoughts. You've probably had conversations. There's a lot of common questions that get asked. And and there's some stuff that we're told absolutely in Scripture that it'll be. And there's some stuff that we don't really understand. But some of the common questions that we do understand, because Scripture gives us the answer, will we have bodies in heaven? Yes. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, our bodies will be like Jesus' body. Amen. Anybody have like artificial hips, knees, shoulders. Jesus has no artificial stuff. I don't have to worry about these hips. Will we go to heaven immediately? Yes. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that when we're, if, if, if it happens before, you know, if I die prior to time ending, if I'm not alive when the second coming happens, if I die, I'm instantly with Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.8. Absent from the body, present with the Lord, for those who know Jesus. Will we we be able to communicate in heaven? We're told in Revelation that we worship, that we pray, that people cry out with loud voices. So we'll be talking in heaven and singing and praying and being very loud in heaven. Will we have emotions? Jesus tells us that heaven is full of joy. Every time a lost person is saved, heaven erupts in a joy-filled celebration. We're told that there will be never-ending joy in heaven for us. That it exists there. Will we know what's happening on earth if we're in heaven before earth ends? That's an interesting one because it's like, well, do I like, look down over the edge? I mean, I don't know what all that looks like, but Hebrews... Chapter 12 tells us that people in heaven witness events on planet Earth. I don't get it fully. It says what it says. I trust the Bible implicitly. It says that there are a cloud of witnesses watching what happens here. Will we remember our lives on planet Earth? That's an interesting one. But, but we see in, in Revelation 6 that the martyrs who have killed for their faith, they go, to, they go to God and they're like, hey, Those guys that killed us, do they have to pay a price? I mean, they're like, is justice going to be served? They remember that they got killed by somebody on planet Earth for following Jesus. So they have this memory of of what happened on Earth. So we can assume that we still have memory of what happened on Earth. Will we know people? Jesus said in Matthew 8 that, that people will come from all over. He said the east and the west. In heaven, people will come from all over to to sit and eat and feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Isn't that cool? What do you do at a feast? When you gather, holidays are coming up, right? Thanksgiving, Christmas, all the times in between, reunions. What do you do at a feast? You gather with people you know, and you eat, and you drink, and you, you have fun stories and and you talk a lot and you make great memories. You know those people. You sit around a feasting table with those that you know. We're going to do that. We're going to know one another there. What will it be like? And who will be there? That's an interesting one. To, To go, okay. Like, forever... Is it like floating clouds? Is it harps? Is it arrows? I mean, we see all the goofy pictures. We have all the thoughts. We have the limited understanding. I think the thing that I love the most about this question, is probably my favorite question, what will it be like and who will be there, is that I realize that I'll be reunited with those people who I loved, who knew and followed Jesus. Everyone who knows and follows Jesus in my life that I love and cherish will be there with me. There'll be a lot of other people I don't know and I'll get to know because I'll have eternity to do it. But those friends and family who follow Jesus and know him, they're going to be there. Those that you know and love and have gone on before you have, have passed away in your lifetime. If they knew Jesus, you're reunited with them. In fact, the only way to be reunited with anyone eternally is that they know Jesus because hell, this horrible place that was created for Satan and his demons is the place where unbelievers go, but they don't have a relationship there. It's just a horrible existence. With Jesus, friends and family that we cherish are going to be there. Nothing hard or negative is ever going to happen again. You want to know what it's going to be like? It's going to be like the better than the best we've ever existed here. Like your best moments in life won't even be on the radar of our eternity in heaven. And God chooses to be in our presence. Like that's his love. He's excited to come and to be in our presence. That's why I love the the name Emmanuel, which gets highlighted during the Christmas season. God with us. Like when Jesus came down here on planet Earth... It was God with us. He came to be with us eternally. God says, I'm with you. It's like Christmas forever. In Revelation 21, verses 22 through 26, so right near the end of the book, it says this. I lost my place. There I am. I saw no temple in the city. This is John writing. He's given the vision of eternity, of heaven. I saw no temple in the city For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple, where we commune and fellowship, right there with Jesus. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb, that's Jesus, is its light. There is never darkness because Jesus is always there. He's the light of eternity all the time. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory meaning they'll bring all that that mattered and that 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 they had and they'll bring it and they'll say it's all for you all the glory that I had here it's all for you Jesus it's not about me anymore it's not about anything that we attain all this because I believe in you and you've blessed me with is all yours now Jesus Its gates, talking about heaven, its gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there is no night there and all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. In the next verse, John says, nothing evil is ever allowed there. Three times in verse three of that chapter earlier, God says, I want to live with you. I'm going to come be in your presence. I'm bringing my heavenly throne down to your existence. This picture we're given of a new earth that's created for us. Heaven comes down to earth to be. Isn't that awesome? Like in Genesis, we see that God would, would leave heaven in the cool of the day and go walking on planet earth with Adam and Eve. They have like an evening walk, right? He, like, it was almost like earth was heaven's backyard. This time... Heaven comes down and is on the new earth because God wants to be with you so much. The ultimate heaven on earth is God with us. And here's how amazing he is. He doesn't say, I'm going to sit on a hill and you're going to be let into heaven. Then you got to come find me. He says, no, I'm going to create a new place for you. Void of anything negative, And then I'm going to come be with you there. That's how much I like you and love you want to be in your presence that's heaven forever and when you strip it all down when you when you take this book and you take it to its very basics it's just about a God in heaven who loves you very much so very much he created your heart for him to belong to Jesus that's why you were made There is one main reason you and I were made to belong to Jesus. And He did everything needed to make that happen so that we could choose Jesus, have that relationship, and be fulfilled in everything. So if He's God and He loves us so very much, the question often comes, why is there pain in this world? Anybody ever asked the question of God or somebody else? Why? So if he loves me so much and he is love and he's, he's all in charge, why is there pain? Am I the only one that ever asked about pain? Why? Why does there have to be pain? It, it's like there's, there's not something, there's something that's just not Right? Not perfect. It's not the way it should have been or I hoped it would be or I dreamt it would be. It stings and it frustrates. Life ever stung anybody? Life ever frustrated anybody? It's hard at times. But God promises that that he'll use everything and every moment to show his love and his glory. But for now, we're kind of stuck in this middle spot until then, created and sin and brokenness and there's eternal glory coming for those who know Him, but like we're in this spot here that's often amazing and very often painful or confusing. I know for me, when I think of heaven, Jesus always comes to mind first, and then I, I, I don't know why. I'm not a chess player, but I always thought it'd be cool to play Moses in chess. I don't know why. That was always a thing growing up. I'm, I'm like, maybe I'll just be good when I get there and beat Moses. I don't know. That was always a thought growing up. That was a weird one. Uh it's a freebie. Uh, that's not biblical. Um, Moses is there, and I'll be there, but other, other than that. But I thought of Jesus and and and, of course, 17... 19 years now, 19 years now, Seven <laughs> 17, 19 years ago when I lost my, my first son, our first son was born and died, I think of him now, like he's with Jesus in heaven, he gets to know Jesus X amount of years longer than I do personally, face to face, and I always think what that reunion will be like on this side of earth, it, on this side of eternity, it's, it's painful that I don't have that son, I have five amazing kids and I wouldn't trade it for the world, and who I am today, and what God's done in my life as a husband and as a dad, and especially as a follower of Jesus, was largely in part to that pain I went through. But I still miss Josiah, and I know I'll see him one day face to face, and I'll do eternity with him. And so that'll be that'll be beautiful. But it's it's painful on this side. I remember when when the, when the Lord got a hold of my heart about a year after his death, and and began to do a major work, I began to ask the question, okay, I I don't think you killed him, but you could have saved him or even resurrected him. So like, why? I wasn't mad at God. I was in a healthy place following Jesus and loving my wife, and we didn't have our kids yet. But, But I remember asking, like, why didn't you save him? And and I didn't expect to get an answer that I would understand. So I really wasn't like, you tell me now. But I was asking the question because I have a relationship with Jesus and I can ask those questions of Jesus and of the Holy Spirit and of the Father God. And always the same answer came, Scott, I love you. Scott, I love you. And, and for years, I was like, you know, there's no way I can understand. So that's good enough. It really was. God loves me. I guess that's the only answer and maybe I'll know when I get there. I don't know. And what I've learned over the past few years in in really understanding the, the bigness of God's grand redemption plan and how He does things is, that is the full answer and there will never be another one needed. He loves me and everything that happens in my life, whether it be joyful in my opinion and make me happy, or it's just this biggest struggle, God is fully in charge of using that to glorify Himself and to grow me stronger in Jesus. That is the answer to every painful thing we go through, whether you're saying goodbye to your mom, or your spouse, or it's a a bad report from the doctor, and they say it's only going to get, you know, down, down, down. God loves you. God loves you. And the hard things we go through actually show it more. If everything were perfect and there was never a a, a single thing that we had to even think through, would a relationship with God even really matter? No. It'd be like some kind of a computer program that never made a mistake. Do you have a relationship with that computer program that never makes a mistake? It's just a program. Real relationship, the the struggles we go through, the painful things, the, the stings and the frustrations only point to this God who does everything necessary to show us how much we're loved. It's actually part of the love story to go through painful things. He doesn't make death happen in a horrific way. That came with the fall of mankind. That came with sin. But God didn't have to go back to the drawing board after the whole thing with Adam and Eve and the the fruit of the tree and go, man, what are we going to do? It was always a part of the plan. It actually shows his care that he would do everything necessary to, to find us and to save us and even create something new. He made it perfect and we messed up and he says, but I've got it better My next plan isn't plan B, it's actually always been the plan A. We need to get a different perspective of heaven and His glory and His love and His purposes in our lives and on this planet. I mean, look at all He does just to to show you His love and to rescue you. He never stopped coming for you. You never did anything that made God go, I'm done with you. It only made him go, I can't wait till you let me love you. Some of you have that crazy rescue story. Some of you have that that amazing steadfastness story. The sustaining grace of Jesus throughout most of your life. And it's a beautiful story. And then some of you watching listening, here, Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus and he's saying, let me have you. I want you so much. I want to be with you. I want to be with you. I want to rescue you. I, I had my son die in your place just to have you. I've always had the plan to rescue you. That's his grand redemption plan. And the pain and the struggle makes the finale so much more spectacular and precious. I don't know if you played sports growing up or, or in high school or college or anything, but I don't know if anybody who like went through and never had a hiccup in their, in their you know, with their team and never had like a, a point where they even got, you know, can say, well, we never even got scored on for 17 years or whatever. You know, you, you, you're on a, on a team and this pales in comparison to heaven, but you're on a team and you go through the, the sweating and the two days in August and like Texas, august two is it like that's horrible that might be the closest to hell we get right uh you know and then and then you go through the pains and the aches and i remember early morning basketball you know 6 a.m practices i remember hey boy you, you missed you know uh four free throws the other day i want 400 before you go home made and i'm like oh shoot i'm gonna make my free throws better you know i I remember all that, but it, it was always for my benefit. I never went to the free throw line and, and, and you know, made a free throw and we like, man, uh, you know, I, I wish I wouldn't have had to practice at all. That would have been much better. Every time I made a free throw, I'm like, I'm glad I practiced. Every time we won a game, it was totally worth it. The pain and the struggle of winning the game was totally worth it. If we'd just gone out and they'd just laid down and let us, you know, beat them 100 nothing. What would the point have ever been? Nobody likes that. Even if they get the victory after a while, it's like, whatever. This is pointless. The pain and the struggle and the trials and the tribulations and the challenges make it so much more worth it. So much more spectacular and and beautiful for us. And so that's what planet Earth is like right now until heaven comes down and we have forever with Jesus enjoy it and I'm not saying be like I'm so excited that my loved one died I'm not saying that I'm saying you can look to Jesus for that comfort and that grace but the struggle now is so worth it forever it's never-ending joy for us and it's a whole new world that he's making no singing the song what is that uh is that Aladdin no no print uh, mermaid or whatever oh it is Aladdin yeah one of the Disney songs, but don't sing that. God created the entire universe for his glory and for our blessing. But we rebelled and, and sin came in and, and brokenness happened and we keep, the world keeps breaking. Yet God, sin and Satan's scheming did not make him go, uh-oh. Didn't catch him off guard. He had this grand redemption plan was always in place, the restoration of all things forever to rescue us from sin and death. And just as God promises to make us new, he promises, I'm going to make a new heaven and a new earth. It's the redemption of paradise. In Genesis, paradise lost. Revelation, paradise is regained. In Genesis, Satan gets a win. Revelation, he's dealt nothing but, but defeat. In Genesis, the curse comes. In Revelation, it is removed. In Genesis, death appears. In Revelation, it's the death of death. So in Revelation, we see this dramatic rescue of God's people by His unconditional love, beautiful grace, and sweet mercy. Those who believe in Jesus will be forever in heaven. Now, don't forget, hell is real. So we got to stay on mission So that no one goes there. What if no one you ever do life with went to hell? Because of the way you lived your life for Jesus. Wouldn't that be a glorious? Can you imagine walking into heaven's gates and God going, that's the one. Like from from 2021 on, no one they knew went to hell. Because they lived their life on mission, because they loved Jesus so much, and out of that overflow, they just loved people, and they couldn't help but tell them about Jesus and lead them to Jesus. That one right there, and heaven would be like, Yes, well done. That'd be cool. Imagine a standing ovation when you walk into heaven. That'd be awesome. Not because you want the standing ovation, but because of the way you lived your life. Heaven being forever and perfect is the culmination of the greatest story ever told. It's Jesus' story. It's a Jesus-centered story with a happy ending that will never end. A happy ending that never ends. Like we love movies with happy endings or books that we, watch, that we read and stuff, TV shows we watch and they have this happy ending. Imagine if that happy ending just kept staying happy. Like the show never ended and the happiness never stopped. That's that's the story of Jesus. Revelation 21, that same chapter I was reading in earlier, verses four and five. He says this. He, talking about God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What a great picture, huh? God's hands will just touch the face of every son and daughter. Just wipe away those tears. Isn't that beautiful? No more tears from pain and loss. A lot of y'all have gone through pain and loss this year. This month already. Some of you have said goodbye to those who just were so near and dear to you. And so tears come naturally. And God says, at the end, I'll, I'll brush away that tear. And there'll be no more death or sorrow, or crying, or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one, Jesus, sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. What a beautiful truth and reality. I have a lot of friends who are unbelievers whose hope is in, well, hope is not the way you, Say it's going to be because it's bad for me or uh, I hope it's a peaceful existence in nothingness. Their hope is in something made up, goofy, a lie and in pointlessness. Our hope is in the eternal joy of being with Jesus forever in a place. He said, I'm going to prepare for you and when it's time, I'm going to come and get you and take you there. The creator is creating something new and better for you who follow Jesus. So don't ever live in fear of the end. Look forward to it. Look forward to it. Enjoy life here. Start the joy now and live that out. But look forward to the end. God's going to heal it all. And heaven will be that place where it happens. No diseases, no losses, no tragedies. No hospitals, no cemeteries, no insurance companies. No bad news phone calls ever again. No empty seats at Christmas or around the family table. No empty seats. No sin, no evil, no fear. No abuse, no drugs, no war, no terror, no hate. Disabled people, totally free to run and move and jump and think clearly, breathe easily. No pain or limitations. How incredibly appreciative of heaven do you think those who struggle with disabilities are going to be? This chest issue, this mental struggle, this physical ailment will not be a part of who I am in eternity. To walk and run and hear and see for the first time for some. Fanny Crosby, this, this famous, she's a blind missionary who wrote over 8,000 Jesus songs, which I can't even write one, but like she wrote 8,000 while being a missionary. She said this, don't pity me for my blindness because the first face I'll ever see will be the face of my Lord Jesus. Think she had her internal perspective, <laughs> and to think what that would be like. I mean, she's there now, so she did get to see him. The first face she ever saw, Jesus. Last breath on planet Earth, instantly with God. That's what Paul tells us, and Jesus right there, and poof, her first look was Jesus. Jesus' resurrection and victory didn't just make a, a way for it to be really good again. It'll peak once heaven being forever begins. And then it'll just keep peaking. Never-ending joy. It's like, oh, this is great. Oh, no, that is. No, that actually is. It just, it keeps peaking and never stops. Second Thessalonians 2, Paul writes this about a life to look forward to. Verses 10 through 12, he says, When he comes on that day, Jesus, talking about, in verse 7, he talked about Jesus returning to planet Earth. When he comes on that day, he will receive glory from his holy people, praise from all who believe, and this includes you, for you believe what we told you about him. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live and you will be honored along with him. You're going to be honored along with Jesus just for believing in and following him. You. You're like, me? Yeah. You and I, as believers in Jesus, followers of the King, we get honored along with Jesus because we inherit everything he gets. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis, in his book, uh, Mere Christianity, when he, wrote, he, he had a quote on, on heaven and hope and the, and the point of it all, and he said this, I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country which I shall not find until after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make this the main object of life to press on to that other country and to help others to do the same. Take every moment to share and to be Jesus in this broke down world. If you know Jesus, we'll be together in heaven forever. With our Jesus we love and with those friends and family that that we cherish who follow Jesus, we get to start the ultimate adventure in a spectacular new existence. Heaven recreated, coming down to a newly created earth where we live and God says, I'm going to live there amongst my people. I want to be with them. I'm going to be with them. I'm moving heaven to where they are. That's Revelation 21.3. Jesus will be the center of all things in heaven. So let's practice that here on earth. Let Jesus be the center of all things in your life. And I know it's so easy to get distracted, right? We we are such easily distracted (laughs) beings. But let's purpose to have Jesus be the center of all things all the time. Don't let one thing own you. Finances or the state of our nation or a health issue. That's understandable. Uh, things that, that, that matter but don't matter more than Jesus are our, our kids' sports or, or even like all the fun at holidays. Those are great things, but don't let them become Jesus' replaced things, right? Rema- keep Jesus in the center of all things now because in eternity, He is it. So let's get good at it now. Let joy be your lifestyle, because we will live joyfully ever after in him. And right when we think it can't get any better than this, it always will. That's a beautiful thing. I'm asking you to stand right now. We thought it'd be cool to, to finish this series with a with, uh, Uh, Three songs of worship just building towards this joyful moment of understanding while we're on planet Earth, it's amazing. And it's only going to get better every day of our lives here. But then in eternity, it's perfectly better. No tears, no sorrow, no pain. You might need to come up here and just, man, just let Jesus love on you. The altars are open. You might just want to come up here and just worship him and, and, and let loose. You might just want to be undone and in all where you are. Whatever you, you need to do to make this a moment of just being extremely Jesus-centric, do that. Worship Him in spirit and truth and, and just let Him have your heart. Let Him have the stuff that's on your mind right now. Just turn it over to Him. Jesus, these things are, are just wearing me down. Would you take them away? I want to worship you uh, unfettered right now. So Jesus, that's what we pray for. That we would be able to worship you unfettered, unchained, totally free. To love you for who you are and how you are. We give you these moments because you're worthy of our worship. And I ask that, that you would minister to our hearts, minister to our minds. Answer questions if we've got them with the answer that touches our soul. And may you be blessed by our worship right now. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.